Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by a phenomenal sponsor of ours. I, of course, am talking about ADK Fightwear. This company is based in the Adirondack Mountains of New York, and they pride themselves in bringing you high-quality product with clean graphics. Whether your goals in jiu-jitsu are to become the next ADCC champion, to win your local tournament, or to just get in shape and feel great, meet them at the top of whatever mountain you choose to climb. And you can meet them at the top by going to their website at adkfightwear.com and while you're there why don't you tell them that gumby and dave sent you by entering in promo code turtle that's t-u-r-t-l-e and you're going to pick up 10 percent off on some sick gear adk fightwear brings you this episode of top turtle mma on flowcombat.com and it starts right now This is David Tremonti of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and I have the pleasure today of speaking with Mike The Truth Jackson, who you can find on Twitter, at The Truth Jackson. Mike, you were, I want to say, our second or third guest ever in the history of this podcast, so you hold a special place in our heart. Uh, We have not seen you in the Octagon in two years. What have you been up to, man? Oh, uh, man, I've been over here uh, building the brand up, the whole Mike the Truth Entertainment brand. Uh, yeah, I've been doing, I did a little boxing where I knocked some some, some guy out uh, devastatingly. Uh, but no, nah, you know, just out here working. You know, I uh, just got back from Vegas and Atlanta, traveling out there, working some shows and, you know, taking some of the dopest photos in combat sports, man. So that's what I've been doing out here grinding. I love it. Well, you know, like I said at the top, at the Truth Jackson is this man's Twitter handle. He keeps a pretty entertaining feed. Definitely check that out. You'll see some of his photos. This man is a credentialed uh, part of Press Row at, at certain uh, MMA and boxing events, so he does well with the photos. I want to go back. Uh, February 6th is when you fought Mickey Galls, your UFC debut. Um, it, it didn't go your way, but... You haven't done MMA since. You said you did boxing. What, did you come close right. to doing MMA? Like, were you still a contracted UFC fighter in these past two years, or was that just a one-day contract kind of thing? No, I, I was there for uh, actually a little bit, of, uh, maybe like a couple of months. Um, and, it, you know, it, there was just nothing for me at the time. So it was best to uh, to ask for the release, you know, because I, I signed a four-fight contract and just didn't know what was next. Um, but I asked for the release, and uh, it was just, you know, go out and do some boxing. Because, again, I was kind of sitting in limbo for a little bit, uh, hadn't heard anything. So, you know, again, I, I just enjoy fighting, you know. Um, it's just uh, I don't have to fight. I don't do it for the money or anything like that. I just I just enjoy it, you know. I enjoy the competition. Uh, so, yeah, that was really what, what happened. And, you know, I, I honestly didn't know what uh, the future holds as far as MMA. Um, you know, for me, again, I, I do fairly well. I do real well. I should say fairly well. I do real well uh, outside of the fighting aspect of it. And MMA, you know, it, it, it's a grind. You know, and I don't think a lot of people understand what goes into training for a mixed martial arts fight. Uh, it, it's more detailed than you know, let's say jujitsu or boxing or kickboxing or anything like that. So for me to dedicate the time, you know, full on to MMA, it, I could do it if I would like to. But you know, at this point in my career, as far as fighting goes and age, you know, it just it, it didn't make any sense. So for me, as far as MMA fights go, 
Um, it has to be a fight that's worthwhile. I was actually scheduled to fight Chris Cyborg's brother um, mm. for under the the LFA banner. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the first time the fight was made, uh, we were set to go. And then uh, I can't remember the guy. I just called him Chris Cyborg's brother. Uh, that's what I've been calling him since you know the fight was made. Um, but apparently. He, he backed out of the fight, and to my understanding, he backed out because Chris Cyborg couldn't be in his corner at that time. And so he, I felt the kind of struggle, like, man, this, I don't understand how you're going to back out of a fight that's already, I mean, we were already, we both agreed to it, um, but he had decided to back out. Come to find out, Chris Cyborg, uh, it was around this, either that night or maybe the next night, that Saturday, Chris Cyborg was... Um, she was in the corner. Uh, I mean, I can't even think of a girl's name. She's a boxer, uh, an Olympian, Clarissa Shields. Okay. Uh, she was corner. She was in Clarissa Shields' corner that same weekend, and so I was like, "Yo, like, did you really just back out of a fight because your big sister couldn't corner you?" Hmm. Um, well, after that fight, that's when I went and took the boxing match, knocked the guy out um, because we were we were going to postpone the fight to a later date. And then I hadn't heard anything, and then I, I contacted the matchmaker for LFA. It was like, yo, like, you know, which event are we going to do this on? And he was just like, Mike, he didn't want to fight you. Like, he, he, uh, he was, and it was one of those things where he had already agreed upon as far as, like, a dollar amount goes. And then, you know, once I went out and knocked this dude out, maybe he was scared. I don't know. Um, maybe he couldn't tag in his sister. But he, he raised the price tag, like, considerably. And, it, you know, by that time, you know, Legacy, you know, they, they didn't want anything. I mean, it didn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? So, sure. And this is, uh, uh, this, again, the, I have the intern looking this up right now. And by the intern, I mean myself. Uh, it, Raphael Justino is Cyborg's brother. Or uh, his Justino. name is Chris Cyborg. No, his name is Chris Cyborg's brother. Okay. So, so and, uh, you know, I mean, and that's how I look at it. It's like, yo, you, you, we were set to fight, and then you backed out because your sister couldn't come. And then... After I go and knock out the dude, you see the video. You're gonna ask for more money? Like, come on, my guy. Like, nah, we don't. We don't play that around here. So, would you say in the past two years, the majority of when you are training, it's more boxing than it is MMA? But maybe when that fight was in talks, you were doing a little MMA training at this point, and I imagine it's picking back up now. Well, I primarily. It's not just by. I train primarily in boxing and Muay Thai. Uh, I train out of uh, Houston Muay Thai in, in, in Houston as well as Four Arms Fight Club. Uh, but you know, for me, I just it, it's all about convenience and, and what's best. Uh, so I do a lot of boxing, kickboxing, and then when the opportunity comes up, you know, I'll go cross train with some guys and uh, get some wrestling in, get some grappling in, and things like that. Uh, yeah, I was out in Dallas not too long ago. My you know another home, uh, Fortis MMA. You know, they have a great group of guys there. Uh, they have a solid stable in LFA, um, and now they have a solid stable in the UFC as well. So, you know, I, I get to train off. That's the game with, with high-level guys. All right. So this, it came out about a week ago that it's targeted you versus CM Punk uh, for UFC 225 in June. It takes place in Chicago, Punk's hometown. It makes a lot of sense. You're both 0-1. You both have the loss to a common opponent in Mickey Gall. Is this fight happening? Has a contract been signed? What can you tell us? No, no contract hasn't been signed. You know, I'm just waiting to hear back from, from Phil and his camp. You know, I've spoken to 
uh, Mick Maynard, who's a close personal friend of mine, as well as UFC matchmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, he he, he kind of doesn't know what's going on at the time, or, or, or with Pump, or Phil, whoever. And uh, we, you know, we're just waiting. You know, we're quite a quite a few months out, so I don't I don't necessarily see a contract. You know, in the next month or so, it'll probably be uh, maybe mid Aprilish. I would assume. Have, um, have unless you... he, he's ready to go. Have you started training in anticipation of of the fight, or not? Are you waiting for that contract for you to really go into like a full MMA training? Well, yeah, I have to go. I have to wait. You know, for me, I'm, I'm always training. Right? You know, I'm not just a guy who, uh, you know, I'm coming off the couch as far as training goes. You know, I'm always in the gym. You know, at least three, four times a week minimum, and that's just just to, just to work out. But you know, that's not necessarily for a fight or anything like that. But definitely when the fight is signed and everything is ready to go, the training will ramp up. You know, I, I can only do so many rounds with Derek Lewis sparring, so I need to get my own camp. With Derek Lewis? Yeah, he, he's a, you know, another close personal friend as well as teammate. You know, so I was helping him kind of get ready for USC Austin uh, this, this week, this Sunday. You know, but you know, I can't give him too much. You know, he's a big guy. Yeah, I was gonna say, but that's that's a hell of a training partner to have. Uh, So. What did you make, you know, CM Punk, obviously a lot of fanfare, the pro wrestling background. We we talked to you all about this the first time you were on the show two years ago. But, you know, the UFC obviously put in a lot of promotion and hype. They had that series. It was like a four-part documentary on his training. I don't know if you caught any of that, but I'm, I'm guessing you saw I did not, actually. Okay. I'm guessing, no, I didn't. I'm, ge- I'm guessing you saw the actual fight. What did you make of his performance, or what do you think he's bringing to the table you know, now a year, year, year and a half out from that last fight, and obviously he trains at a very high-level club in, in Rufus Sport. What do you think he brings to the table? Well, to be honest with you, the fight went exactly how I expected it to go if uh, Phil were to face uh, Mickey Gall. I, it, it was just one of those things like, you, well, I take that back. I have seen a little bit of his training. Uh-huh. Um, I, I saw some, some kind of like some cell phone video, nothing – Nothing uh, quite detailed, but, I mean, I got a glimpse of, of what he's capable of. And even in that time, I, I just don't see him uh, develop. I mean, in a year's time, you can only learn so much. And, and that's even, look, I mean, you're right. He does train at a great gym at, at Rufus Sport. Uh, I know some of his teammates and who, who are exceptional fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, this is not your typical fighter. He, he, he's coming from a different sport, and he's really getting a crash course. And I feel that uh, unless you're some crazy prodigy like a young BJ Penn, the chances of you uh, picking up just different facets of the game to compete with someone even on my level, it, it's very slim. It, it's very hard. you know. And then you add in the fact that he's pushing 40, and then the the, 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 the the other variable that a lot of people don't really consider is the wear and tear that professional wrestling takes on a person's body. Hmm. And, and that's something that is that, – that's one of those, those silent kind of secret variables that people really aren't paying attention to. And that's a real thing. Like people talk about the, the what football and MMA and boxing does to a body. Think about what these guys do night in, night out. And they're, they're, they're performing, you know, what, 
300 days out of the year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, come on, like, you're, you're doing quite a bit of damage to your body. And again, not to take anything from him. And again, a fight doesn't fight. Anything can happen. But just the odds of him being able to compete with me in a fight is just, I see his body breaking down, you know, before anything. Uh, yeah, I know. I know where you're going with that. I mean, I think for him, from what I saw of the training footage, he seems like if he had to have like a strong attribute, and I'm not saying he has a lot of them. Um, and obviously, we didn't get to see a ton on display in the two minutes against Mickey Gall. He seems like the thing he's taken to the most is jujitsu. I, I know he was promoted to jujitsu blue belt. I feel like knowing that you have more of the boxing background, I'm just guess you know random guess here the game plan for him would be to try to grapple you and get you to the ground right and that would be a smart strategy for him you know to be honest with you, that would actually be his best bet but here's the thing it, it's like i people are acting like i've never trained in wrestling or jiu-jitsu again i've been in the sport uh april 1st this year it'll be 10 years i've been training in the bay now have i dedicated you know, as much time to jiu-jitsu or wrestling as I should have, no. I would probably be a brown or black belt by now if I had done so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I just I just enjoy punching people in the face. <laughs> and with, with that, I feel, um, I feel that at the bare minimum, and this is giving him all the credit, at the bare minimum, we're at an equal level at jiu-jitsu. That's oh. at the bare, that's just me giving him every benefit is we're the same level of jiu-jitsu. So you factor that in. Again, if I, anything can happen, but the chances are of it happening, it's not likely to happen. Well, very interesting. I mean, this is, uh, this is one of those only in MMA type situations. You know, you don't often see two 0-1 fighters with the same loss, common opponent on their record. Obviously, he's got the big name. So wrapping up here, Mike, uh, I guess the question I want to ask you to end this is come June or whenever the fight takes place, you punch CM Punk in the face enough, you knock him out, you win. What do you do next? Are you, you come back in the UFC? Do you retire on the win? What's the game plan? Man, I'm going to the back, eating a bag of Takis and drinking a Dr. Pepper. That would be what's next. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. One step at a time. Well, Mike, we uh, we can't thank you enough for the time. We always love having you on. He is Mike the Truth Jackson at the Truth Jackson on Twitter. This is Top Turtle MMA podcast with Flow Combat. Thanks so much, Mike, and we'll look forward to getting you on uh, when the fight is announced. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me. And these interviews were, of course, brought to you by Garage Fit. Look, we all run busy lives. I love to do jujitsu and to get to the gym as often as I can, but that's not always possible. Luckily, there's Garage Fit to help people like me assemble an awesome workout system for our garage and or gym area in our house. Are you a sprint guy or gal? Well, they've got weighted vests that take you to the next level. Looking for a plyometric workout instead? Well, they got plyo boxes that are ready to go. And... They've got plenty more for you, and you can check it all out by going to garagegym.net. That's garagegym.net. Check them out today. And we, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com, and that was Mike Jackson. Dave, you were the one who got to do the interview this time. Uh, what'd you think of Mike Jackson? Yeah, you know, second time on the show, we all know Mike Jackson of Mickey Gall fame, and it's one of those things. Mike Jackson, I feel like he's going to go down in the 
annals of MMA history as the guy who made his pro debut and then was in the press row later that night. That's the kind of thing. That's an only an MMA type thing. No one's going <laughs> to debut in MLB this year and then by the seventh inning be up in the press box. Um, <laughs> you know, I tried to pry him on this. Do I think Mike Jackson's number one passion in life is MMA? I didn't get that sense. Will he be back after a fight with CM Punk? I kind of doubt it. I mean, obviously off a win, maybe, but I think off a loss, this might be the last we see of Mike Jackson in MMA. It's a perfect circumstance. He's fighting because of CM Punk and the name that CM Punk is, and he's just the perfect opponent for for CM Punk because they don't want to give him, you know, anyone with Mm -hmm. with more experience. Yeah, and and there's always the opportunity to, I know he does a ton of work for LFA. If he goes and does more media press, you know, I know he does some photo work for them. Uh, if, if he goes and does all that stuff for LFA, and then after a little while he gets that itch again, maybe down the road. But you're right, it doesn't feel immediate, especially because it wasn't immediate after the loss to, to Mickey Gall, right? Like, he could have been looking for a fight. Right. and we, But he wasn't. You know, and he mentions that with Cyborg's brother and everything else. I, I did try I was wondering about that because we haven't seen him in two years, you know? He kind of did. He kind of went off the grid, as they say, at least in the MMA world. He did have a boxing fight that he won. So he's an interesting cat, and this mm-hmm. fight is is not official yet. Might be a twist and turn when it comes to CM Punk. Never put anything past someone who comes from the pro wrestling world. He could he could fight Floyd Mayweather. Exactly. <laughs> who knows? But, you know, it, fe- it feels like him and Mickey Gall are on a collision course. Yeah. Uh, so we'll move on, Gumby. Big weekend this past weekend, UFC Austin. A lot of fun fights. I feel like... You know, people have kind of been hating and whining a little bit about the UFC schedule, star power this, pay-per-view buy rates down. I get all that, but there have been some really entertaining fights the past couple of weeks. Yeah, eight finishes in Austin, and I think my four favorite fights, three of my four favorite fights, were probably the decisions. Uh, <laughs> which is crazy. The only one not being that Sage Northcutt fight was just absolute horseshit. Sure. Um, and I won't get into that, but... Uh, the St- Steven Peterson fight with uh, Brandon Davis was just a fucking slobber knocker. And I loved that uh, Lucy Pudilova fight uh, way on the prelims. Both went to decision and they were just throwing haymakers. Absolutely. You, you know, you're totally right. I would take either of those fights you just mentioned over the Derek Lewis fight even. I, you know, entertaining and everything else. We all love Derek Lewis. We got the knockout. But like... It's a great promo too. <laughs> he, he always is a great promo. Where round is fine ass at? But what... <laughs> but, you know, the first two rounds, sometimes with Derek Lewis, you kind of feel like he's sleepwalking through these fights. Yeah. And I what? do I do love the idea of him versus Naganu though, because... Uh, you know, I mean, we're going to get a finish there, right? Yeah, well, I, and I, I went to his fight against the, when he headlined in Albany against Shamil Abdurakhimov, and, and I'm pretty sure he sleptwalked through like three and a half rounds there and then just got a takedown and finished him in the fourth, which was just ridiculous, A, that that was a five-round fight um, because Shamil Abdurakhimov shouldn't be in five-round fights, and B, that it took him that long to get going, but maybe that's his MO. He's just going to take a while to get going from now. He slow... wouldn't have that long against Naganu. <laughs> that, that, that's a good point. He is a slow starter, though. And then, of course, in the main event, you had Cowboy Cerrone coming back with a big win over Yancey Medeiros. Fun round of action, obviously kind of what we were expecting from those two. Um, but, you know, it kind of leads in to our combat countdown of the day because we were talking about it off air, and we said to ourselves, God darn it, 
Cowboy Cerrone was on a three-fight losing streak heading into Austin, and I feel like that didn't really get talked about enough. He dropped three fights in 2017, and yeah, that's Cowboy. He's always taken fights. And these were great fighters, don't get us wrong. Jorge Masvidal, Robbie Lawler, Darren Till got finished in two out of the three of those. And I'll tell you right now, if the Robbie Lawler fight had gone round four or five, I think we would have seen a finish, maybe from one of them. Um, But the bottom line is, he was on a three-fight losing streak, and it got us talking about what would have happened if Cowboy Cerrone had lost four in a row. Um, you know, he's obviously a favorite of Dana White. He's obviously a poster child for the UFC, but had Cowboy Cerrone lost four in a row, what do you think would have happened? I I think he's still in the UFC, especially because every single one of them is against a ranked fighter. Mm. But I I think then you have to see him fight somebody who's like, shit, somebody way down there. You know what I mean? Like he would have had to fight someone unranked Yeah, or fucking Sage Northcutt. How about Sage? Oh my God! I mean, like <laughs> he funny. would have had to fight somebody of that caliber, though. You know what I mean? Just, like, just to get, get him the, back on track. Yeah, to get him back on track. I mean, the, here's the other thing with Cowboy Cerrone, and we all love Cowboy Cerrone, and he he is a cowboy by every stretch of the imagination. You know, now we're getting into the territory where he has had. Let's see. His record is thirty-three and ten. So and one. So he's approaching, you know, forty-five-ish fights. Um on the wrong side of 30, as they say in MMA, because MMA is just a brutal business. Um, You know, I'm so happy for him, I guess is what I'm saying, that he got the win. I wouldn't want to see him go four fights in a row and then, okay, yeah, maybe they give him someone to kind of get his wings back, but then he's back in the top 15, loses that one. Now we're talking about forced retirements and maybe he shouldn't be, you know, uh, jet skiing between fights. You'd know that article would come out, right? Like Cowboy Cerrone needs to focus more on in-ring competition than his wild lifestyle out of the ring. Well, that that's already been said 850 <laughs> times, right? Like, I think that's what makes him great, though. Did you, did you see the, the pre-fight package, sort of, on uh, his I, fight? I, I, I missed that. Give me the Where, Cliff's they, notes. Yeah, they, they, sort of, uh, they sort of pointed out that, like, this time he, like, flew all of his coaches in, and he, like, evacuated anybody who wasn't, like, 180% focused on just fighting and getting him as ready as possible for this fight. So, I mean, I, I know it's, like, the pre-fight package that the UFC puts together, but it seemed like refocused cowboy and that that that's kind of the the theme they were trying to go with for this fight guard anyway refocused cowboy well we're great we're glad he got the win and it just got us talking about let's just say and we think cowboy still maybe has a run left in him let's just say he did lose four in a row and then he needs to go off like you know bruce wayne in batman and train <laughs> with the league of shadows and get himself back and, and come up with a comeback it got us thinking about what are the greatest MMA career comebacks. And we decided let's count down the top five fighters who saw the highest of the highs, went to the lowest of the lows, came back from the dead, and re, you know had a resurgence in their career. So Gumby, this week's combat countdown is top five MMA career comebacks. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. It's time for the combat countdown. All right, and we're going to start with number five. She is a legend in the female fighting world, and it almost feels like she's had multiple careers. And we're talking, of course, about Roxanne Matafari. Uh, Gumby, let's talk a little bit about Roxanne. Back yeah, in- so, so Roxanne was like one of the pound-for-pound pound 
great in the the women's MMA world and really all MMA at that time because like I, I mean she had beaten everybody who you would think of as a top threat in uh, women's MMA. She had beaten Marlos Conan. She had beaten Shayna Beasler. She had beaten Molly Helsel. She had beaten Tarla Rosa. And then she lost fucking six in a row. Uh, Sarah Kaufman, Rossi Sexton. She lost a fight in Japan. She lost a Barb Hornchok. She lost another fight in Japan. Um, Raquel Pennington on the, on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, she lost twice, on, or she lost on the Ultimate Fighter to get eliminated, and then Raquel Pennington coming off the Ultimate Fighter. You're right. Um, six in a row she had lost, and obviously lost her UFC contract after losing to Raquel Pennington, which is there's no shame in that loss. And now we're, we're we just watched her have a title fight. I mean, how crazy is that, that a person on a six-fight losing streak turned it around like that? Not only that, I mean, she also had, she, so she goes to Syndicate, um, you know. Yeah, Syndicate, on, John Wood deserves a lot of credit for this. They're like the perfect match together, bring out the best in each other. She works on her striking, her striking becomes legit, and yeah, elbows. she fights for the Invicta Flyweight Championship. It was a fight of the night, she loses by split decision, Um and, you know, then reels off two more wins and gets back into that ultimate fighter house, makes it to the finals, loses to Nico Montana. Now, obviously, you know, there was a little bit of uh, loosey goosiness there because what's her name couldn't make the fight. But Roxanne did do very well in the house, um, you know, and I, I would say it's a pretty I, I, here's the thing. Female MMA doesn't have that long history of males. And when we were trying to think of, like, who's the the female who's had a career comeback. I mean, this was honestly like not only the best answer, but it was one of the only answers, you know, Holly, you could say she lost a, she lost three in a row. She lost her title to Misha. She lost to Valentina Shevchenko. And then she lost controversially to Jermaine Durandamy. Is she all the way back? I don't know. Was that necessarily like, was Holly close to quitting and leaving MMA at that point? I don't think so. So other than Holly, who's like our honorable mention, we thought of at females, uh, Roxanne was far and away the best answer here. Who's someone who's had like multiple careers almost. Yeah. And, and I, I think you're right on one sense that there's like not a lot of documented history on women's MMA, but I think there are a lot of like gems in there that if you look really far back, like I mentioned some of the names like Marlos Conan, uh, Jennifer Howe, Tarla Rosa, they're like the pioneers before like anybody started tracking the pioneers of women's MMA. Um, and I think that they, you could probably find one in there, but, but not as well known and not as currently, uh, high up is Roxanne Modifari. Right. And that was the thing. Cause we always like to be definitive about our criteria with our combat mm -hmm. countdowns, which we love so much. We could obviously find a couple of three fight losing streaks here and there, but we wanted someone who fought for a title. We wanted someone who got high and then got very low and then made a comeback. Even if they didn't come back and win a title, they at least fought for a title. Yeah, they they made it all the way back. All right, so we'll move on to number four, and he comes with a bit of an asterisk. But a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> you might have heard of this guy. His name is Vitor Belfort. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest with the fans here. I, he was one that I argued against because of uh, all of this horseshit uh, that surrounds him, TRT Tour. Um, his comeback is legit, though. I mean, like, he came back and he fought for three different titles after his comeback, right? Like, he had fought he fought well, Anderson. Let's, let's set the stage. You know, this was one of the UFC's earlier stars, came out like a bat out of hell, looked like a complete world beater, you know, in his, Crush people. You, yeah, UFC 12 won the heavyweight tournament final there, beat Tank Abbott, had some wars with Randy Couture. 
Um, you know, took a loss to Chuck Liddell. Okay, okay, but a, a UFC OG, a UFC OG. He's twelve and three, coming off a win off of Randy Couture. Goes into the Randy Couture rematch. Uh, this is at UFC forty nine in two thousand four, and proceeds to drop three in a row to top flight competition. Ortiz Couture Overeem picks up a win in cage rage against a guy no one's ever heard of, and then loses a rematch to Alistair Overeem in Strikeforce. So now... So three out of four. See, right. That's what I was just going to say. Three out of four in 2006. Uh, and actually then lost again late in 2006 to Henderson. So you see some problems here, right? Uh, Pride dissolves uh, in 2007. He goes and fights in cage rage, reels off five wins in a row, and gets himself back in the UFC. Uh, and fights against Anderson Silva. You saw the front kick. It's been played millions of times. But, you know, that's kind of the comeback right there, is him fighting for the title against Anderson Silva in 2011 after basically being bounced from the promotion. And and he fought John Jones for the title, too, which people forget about, and had him in a pretty deep arm bar. Yeah, right, yes, yes, in that first round. And I think John was was injured from that and just didn't tap because he's an animal. Then he reeled off after the John Jones loss. He beat... Bisping, Rockhold, Henderson, all on TRT, but let's not talk about that right now, and then lost to Weidman. So this is a guy, again, you want to talk about multiple careers, comebacks. I mean, this guy's lived, you know, uh, he's a cat, nine lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now we're going to take a big jump. Because we argued a lot about five, four, uh, but one... In all of our honorable mentions. In all of our honorable (laughs) mentions, but three through one, we were very resolute about. And we'll start with number three. He's a favorite of yours. It's Andre Arlovsky. Yeah, he's my all-time favorite fighter, probably. Right up there with Chris Lieben. I know I got some weird favorites. Uh, But Andre Arlovsky, UFC champion, right? Heavyweight champ. Uh, And after uh, he lost... Uh, he got released, and he uh, won two in a row, but then he lost to Fedor, Brett Rogers, Bigfoot Silva, and Sergei Karatanov all directly in a row. I think all of them in strike force. Maybe Fedor was in a lead XC, um, but four in think, a row I, I think that was affliction, but keep going. Oh, affliction. It might have been affliction. You're right. <laughs> um, same thing, right? Um, so he loses all four of those fights, uh, looked really rough, lost to Anthony Rumble Johnson in World Series of Fighting at heavyweight, um, so just looked awful, finally gets back into the UFC, in the UFC, goes four in a row, Boom. and was in a number one contender fight against Overeem, just absolutely back from the dead, uh, and, and since then, yeah, he, he's lost a couple more in a row, uh, but he won his last fight in the move to American Top Team and working with, uh, Mike Brown, might be, uh, sparking a second one of these <laughs> so you might say he might be in line for a second career comeback but yeah I, you know to your point this is a guy former ufc heavyweight champion you want to talk about lowest of lows losing a brett rogers and sergey karolatov and strike force but then you know i think he found How about losing a bigfoot losing a bigfoot's way worse <laughs> it's true and you know i think that's it's around that losing streak that he went down to jackson winklejohn refound himself um and then it was really impressive when he came back to the ufc circa 2014 uh yep. beats brandon schaub uh avenges the loss to bigfoot the fucking crazy fight with travis brown and then beats frank Mir, who's no easy day at the park then yep. loses to stipe and all the momentum's gone but it was right there in 2015 where you really felt like whoa is andre arlovsky like a, a title challenger again yeah so, i was hoping he's fighting stefan Struve coming up too which is kind of a fun fight 
So we just mentioned his name. He's number two. He's a favorite of mine. He's one of the jitsiest heavyweights of all time. And of course, number two is Frank Mir. Yeah, Frank Mir, uh, his comeback is special in a way because uh, while it it does have to do a little bit with his record, it also has to do uh, with his health because he was on a tear and kind of the heavyweight prospect of the UFC. He got in a motorcycle accident. Uh, lost a good chunk of time. Then when he came back, he was not the same. He went one and two in his return, uh, including a loss to Marcio Cruz, who was in his second pro fight ever, mm. and Brandon Vera at heavyweight. Mm. Um, and I'm pretty sure that one was by knockout, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, like, really, really rough stuff. He then won three in a row and took the interim title immediately after that Brandon Vera loss, and that which you, is just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And his wars with uh, Big Nog are insane. You oh, know, he so good. Broke his arm in that arm bar and, and everything else. But yeah, what a career comeback for Frank Mir. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time to watch just because of the grappling aspect, um, you know, and, and obviously the stuff with Brock Lesnar and he's the headliner of UFC 100. What a legend. I could go on and on, but you want to UFC talk Hall of Famer. UFC Hall of Famer for sure. You want to talk about someone with a career comeback. Frank Mir, that was a no-brainer for us. We'll move to number one, and it's the best career comeback of all time. This guy, the only way to describe him is he's ruthless. He's Robbie Lawler. Yeah, Robbie Lawler, uh, you know, after being in the UFC and being pretty damn popular, he moves to Strike Force and he went three and five in Strike Force. Can you believe that shit? Three and five including losing to Bobaloo Sobral and Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin's pretty legit, but Bobaloo Sobral, uh, rough. And maybe his best win there was maybe Matt Lindland, mm-hmm. uh, which is just, I mean, he's a decent fighter, but but not the type you would put against Robbie Waller. Returns to the UFC, goes eight and fucking one, including, and that one loss was a title shot. Yeah. Uh, and and he, then he wins the title. Um, and even though he's lost it since then, I mean, like, God, to go from the type of fighter who's, you know, under 500, losing to Babalu, to a fighter who's winning the UFC championship at 170, it's just amazing how quickly he turned that around. I agree, and he's one of those guys where I can almost watch any of his old fights. Uh, oh, maybe so not the, good. maybe not like some of the strike force stuff, but you know, early UFC stuff, the war with Chris Lytle, with uh, Nick Diaz, uh, you know, and then the comeback is just awesome to watch his fight against Rory McDonald and then and then back to back his fight against Carlos Condit two of my probably top 4 all-time favorite fights um, he's a guy that we could probably do a top five list of just his top five greatest fights of all time. You'd have to put in that fight in strike force against Melvin Manos because yes. that, that fight is just freaking insane. <laughs> and, you know, he might be another guy. He just ate the loss to RDA. I mean, he's getting older, so I, I'm not saying I'd put the savings on it, but he, he just you never count him out. He's one of those no. guys, maybe a second career uh, comeback is on the horizon. So let's recap because I really do love this list. Our top five MMA career comebacks. Number five was Roxanne Matafari. Number four, we came in with a uh, frickin' 
Vitor Tvorfor. Right. Vitor Belfort, TRT Belfort. Number three, Andre Arlovsky. Number two, Frank Mir. And num- numero uno, Robbie Lawler. We will mention that we had some honorable mentions. We thought, thought about Anthony Rumble Johnson, but his was more weight cut issues. There weren't a lot of losses. You also brought up a great one. He hasn't reached the highs of the highs again yet, but Evan Dunham started his career at 4-0 and in the UFC. And then what did he go? You said three. He, he also headlined a fight card for the UFC. Uh, fight for the troops two i think maybe or something like that against uh, melvin gillard but then i think he went like something like three and six after that and now he hasn't lost in his last five and is in the top 15 of maybe the toughest division in the ufc so Boom. uh evan dunham surprisingly good turnaround so you know we we might come back and update this list we also thought about dominic cruz even though the guy never loses but just from a career <laughs> comeback standpoint goddamn does he get injured a lot yeah <laughs> All right, we'll move on to our UFC Orlando breakdown. The UFC calendar never stops. We like to count things down on this show, so in forms of in in terms of a preview, we like to do our top three fights that we're most excited about, and we'll start with, this is a banger of a fight. It's Jeremy Stevens, minus 160 against Josh Emmett, the plus 140 dog. Who you taking? Uh, I'm going to go with the... I think I'm going to go with Jeremy Stevens on this one. I really do like Josh Emmett, friend of the show, uh, super fun guy to watch. I guess just my problem with Josh Emmett is uh, I just think that his shot against, I don't want to call it lucky, his shot against Ricardo Lamas was a big, heavy punch. And I think Ricardo Lamas is just more likely to be the type of person who stands in front of him and gets hit. Whereas Jeremy Stevens is going to kick out his legs. Jeremy Stevens is going to stick and move. Is Jeremy Stevens going to get into a firefight with him? Probably. Yeah. But I, but I just think he's moving his head better than Ricardo Lamas in that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and, Jeremy and I Stevens that, is not easy to finish either. No, by any stretch of the imagination. I'll, I'll put the intern on that one right now about when what Jeremy Stevens, you know, like finish rate is on on. Uh, on the losing side of things. Cause I bet you it's super small. Um, but yeah, for that reason, I don't think Josh Emmett's going to go five rounds of them. It says here, uh, according to the intern that in his 14 losses, cause he is 27 and 14 at this point in time in his 14 losses, he has been knocked out one time, one time. Yep time so there you go so i i agree with you i'm not going to say anything bad against what you just said oh I, also i just looked it up guess who knocked him out uh did frankie edgar finish him or win by a decision nope eve edwards eve edwards okay <laughs> wouldn't, obviously wouldn't, wouldn't have guessed That's... that one uh we'll move on jessica andrade a minus 300 favorite t- favorite taken on tisha torres a plus 250 dog tisha torres is a live dog here though no yeah 250 is a nuts line on tisha torres it almost makes me want to bet it right there I think the thought is that Tisha Torres's best attribute is her quickness, and she's not quicker than Jessica Andrade, right? Like, mm-hmm. so like her her best spot, she's worse than Jessica Andrade. At. Is she better than than Jessica Andrade in some spots? Probably, but it it's scary to me to try to pick Tisha Torres in that fight, knowing that her best weapon is is probably going to be neutralized. The, the only thing I can think of is if she bodies. Andrage up a little bit and tires her out. She could probably eke out the second and third round, but she's not a finisher either. That's the other problem. So I think I'm going to go with Andrage just because, once again, hard to finish. Uh, and Tisha Torres, I think she got one finish in her career. So 
I was going to say Jessica Andrade. I'll yeah. go with Jessica Andrade. Yeah, that. you ain't going to bully Jessica Andrade. Tisha Torres, I just feel like physically is coming in at a disadvantage against Jessica Andrade, just in terms of size, uh, you know, just grappling. Mm. Uh, it, it's going to be tough to kind of maneuver Jessica Andrade around that around that cage. All right, uh, we'll move now to the final fight we wanted to talk about, and it's a very interesting fight at light heavyweight. It's OSP, minus 120, taking on uh, Ayer Latifi, who's plus 100. Who you taking? I think, you know, I always go with an underdog here. I think I'm going to go with an underdog finally in our third fight here. I'm going to go with Ayer Latifi, and I think just the reason being is that OSP is super, super long, right? He's like one of the longest dudes in that division, maybe behind, you know, just John Jones. But he doesn't fight really long. And I think if he lets Latifi in, Latifi might just wrestle him up or Latifi might just sting him. Because he, he also doesn't have a phenomenal chin. Uh, I mean, like, he, he's taking some big shots, but I've seen him get stung, woozy, things like that. So I, I'm going to go with Latifi just because I think he's got the weapons to tag OSP. Uh, and could wrestle him up if you really wanted to. All right. Well, there you have it. That is UFC Orlando. Hopefully there'll be as exciting fights as we got this past weekend in Austin. Uh, did any mm-hmm. fine company sponsor that breakdown, Gumby? Uh, of course. That fight breakdown was brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog Brewery is a Canadian craft brewery right near Orla- or, uh, Vancouver, not Orlando. Uh, Vancouver, uh, they give you fine craft brews with no pasteurization and no preservatives so head on over to deadfrog.ca check out what they have available or head to your nearest liquor store and pick some up today all right well a little house cleaning here we of course are top turtle mma at twitter uh you can follow the show there top turtle mma uh at top turtle mma on twitter you can email the show top turtle mma at gmail we of course are accepting both love and hate mail we love doing our combat countdowns uh give us a tweet or send us an email with a combat countdown you might want to hear in the future we of course thank our sponsors adk fightwear garage fit dead frog brewery and our and our uh mothership our host flowcombat.com and we of course want to thank michael the truth jackson but most of all we want to thank you the fans for listening i am david tremonti he is daniel gumby vreeland we'll be back next week